Up next, Rob Smith is problematic, part of the Gingrich 360 Network. New York City is the most liberal city in the world, and it is the unlikely epicenter of the bipartisan cross-cultural resistance to the vaccine mandate hysteria that partisan hacks on the left are foisting on this country. This is Rob Smith's Problematic. All right, Problematics, there is something that is very interesting going on in New York City right now that you probably haven't heard a peep about in the mainstream media. You see, right now, New York City is mandating that all of its city workers have their first shot of the COVID-19 vaccine by October 29th at 5 p.m., or they will be put on unpaid leave, basically fired until they provide proof of vaccination. So when we talk about city workers, who are we talking about here? We are talking about firefighters. We are talking about cops. We are talking about correctional officers. We are talking about sanitation workers. We are talking about bus drivers. We are talking about subway operators. We are talking about the people that in a city like New York, these are the people that keeps the city running. These are the people that keeps the city going round. This is how people can move around. This is how trash gets cleaned up. Um, these people are, you know, pun intended, absolutely essential, right? So before, it was just that the healthcare workers, and I think a couple other people, were going to be mandated to um, get the coronavirus vaccine by de Blasio. But now, you know, he just wants all municipal workers to do it, right? So now this is, of course, absolutely lunacy. This is absolute lunacy. Because you realize that, like I said, this includes firefighters, cops, correctional officers, etc. Now, correctional officers actually have until December 1st um, to provide proof of vaccination because there is short, such a shortage of correctional officers right now, Right. And so this is lunacy because you have people that are really standing up against this. You have people that are really standing up against these mandates in New York City. So what happens when these city workers start calling de Blasio's bluff and calling the bluff of all of these just hacks, all of these, these people are so deeply unimpressive. That is the word that I'm looking for. Just unimpressive hacks, people that have done nothing, people that have never really done anything but take a government check, right? And so these people are, are, are mandating this for all of the people who do the work that actually keeps the city running. So, of course, what this means is that some of these people are already standing up against this. There are lawsuits being filed. Um, the, the cops are doing a lawsuit. Some other organizations are doing a lawsuit, whatever. And so basically what this means is that people who are deciding not to get this jab you know, they're going to they're going to walk out They're They're going to be placed either, you know, they're going to be placed on unpaid leave, basically fired. Like I said, if they do not provide proof of vaccination, first of all, I believe that it is immoral to put somebody's livelihood at stake in order for them to take in order to for them to put something into their body that they do not want to put into that body. You are saying, do this or we will take your money. That is wrong. That is so deeply morally wrong and, and, and so repugnant that I can't even understand the brain that comprehends this, right? That, that thinks that this is a good idea and that you are going to get people on your side by doing this. And like I said, this is lunacy. And many s sanitation workers, all right, just to 
name one sort of select group of, of these workers that are impacted by this mandate. Uh, many of these sanitation workers have already started calling out sick and not showing up to work in protest in this. And this is some, this is an off the record. This is stuff that is being told to me. I, you know, a lot of people slide in my DMs. I know people that are, that are city workers in New York. I have a friend that's a, a conservative cop that is in the uh, New York City metro, and he is telling me all of these things that are kind of going on. And maybe if you're a New Yorker, you see some of this stuff written about in the Post, maybe you see it in the Daily News, but it is not being given any sort of coverage in the mainstream media because, you know, our, our, the corporate overlords that run MSNBC and CNN and, and all the rest of them um, have decided that this is not important information for you to know. And so this is what happens. So like I said, a lot of these sanitation workers have already started showing, not showing up to work in protest in Staten Island, apparently. So this is a real thing. This is what, what my buddy told me. The trash apparently isn't being picked up right now in Staten Island. And this isn't a news story. And the way Staten Island is treated is it's treated like Staten Island is very Republican. Um, Staten Island is very clean. Staten Island is a great place, but it's looked at as like, oh, this is, you know, that's where the trash of New York City lives. This is how this is not what I think. This is, um, you know, how our elites and our moral betters uh, uh, speak. Of, of places like Staten Island when when you're in New York City, when you're in Manhattan or Brooklyn or whatever. And so now this is happening in Staten Island. So trash is not being picked up, obviously. So there's a whole bunch of trash on the ground. If New York City goes through with this, there will be less cops on the streets making an already dangerous city even more dangerous. I have spoken to you ad nauseum over the past nine to 12 months about how dangerous these cities have become. And this is you know, because of the BLM stuff, this is because of the defund the police stuff. And now you are going to have these cities becoming even more dangerous in New York City in particular, becoming even more dangerous than it is now, because they are mandating for uniformed police officers to take this vaccine, which they do not want to take, making an already dangerous city even more dangerous. This is not only lunacy. This is not only repugnant. This is not only in problematics. You know, I don't get up on any, I don't get up on very many soapboxes talking about morality, my political opinions and, and how I view the world and how I view politics and, and all of this stuff. It's not viewed via a lens of morality. I think that's the difference between me um, and, and some of the other figures on the right or the left. There, there's people that, that, that view these issues and, and these problems and these um, things that are happening in the society through a lens of morality. I'm not, I don't make a lot of moral arguments, but I do believe that this is morally repugnant. Being repugnant is nothing new to de Blasio because he and his grifter wife are absolutely shameless. These are shameless people. If, and, and what I've just started realizing, I know that I have a nationwide audience, but I do have a lot of, I do have a lot of New Yorkers that listen. Guys, New Yorker, in, and I said at the beginning of the show, New York is the most liberal city in the world, but it's still, there's a lot of conservatives there. And I only speak of it, not because I am in the New York City bubble. I do not live in New York City. I spend some time there, but I spend the vast majority of my time right now in Florida, about 90% of my time in Florida. Not because I believe that it is the center of the universe, but that I believe that there are many trends that 
start in New York City, that happen in New York City, that really can be extrapolated in, in terms of what is going on in, in pockets in the rest of the country. For example, there was a protest in, in Florida. Obviously, DeSantis takes care of Floridians, but he is fighting um, the mandate that is coming from the Biden administration so that all government employees get vaccinated. So it, it's just this, 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 uh, this fight that's going on between DeSantis and Biden. But here's the thing. Back to New York City. People are resisting this. People are standing up and coming out against this. People are coming together. These are people that, and when I tell you about these vaccine mandate protests, you have to understand what I'm telling you about these protests and what I'm telling you about what is going on in the streets, because you see it all over social media. You see it um, all over Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, whatever. You will not see this in the mainstream media. And I'll get into why a, a little bit later on. But people are rising up against this stuff. And I do not believe in my core, I don't believe for a single second that all of these people are conservatives or Republicans. People that have a, a real lack of imagination, real lack of personality, real lack of real, any real political insight um, are trying to spin the idea that anybody that is opposed to these vaccination mandates, these vaccine mandates, number one, are unvaccinated. That is not true. Number two, are all white male Republicans. That is not true. We are seeing a lot of different people come up and really rise up against these um, vaccine mandates in these protests. And I'm going to share with you a really, really compelling speech from a black female city worker that stood up passionately and spoke out against this mandate. I'm going to share that with you on the other side of the break. New York City is the epicenter of a very big political movement right now. This is the bipartisan, cross-cultural, black, white, gay, they, them, etc. It is the epicenter of this fight against vaccine mandates. And like I said, you know, there are a lot of people in New York City that are against this. A lot of city workers, and I've spoken to you before, I, I know like, look, guys, I know I get new problematic listeners every week. I know that some of this stuff has been covered before. I get new listeners every week. So I just really kind of want to bring everybody up to speed. If you are a loyal listener from the beginning, um, I appreciate you and I love you. But we got to get the new problematics caught up. So I've spoken to you before about the racial aspect to these vaccine mandates. And I did an entire episode on this. And, and really, I think it's called Why Vaccine Mandates Are Racist. It's one of the episodes that I'm most proud of, of these podcasts. And, you know, look back and, and get into that episode, dig into it. But there's a racial component to this because a lot of the people, especially in a city like New York, that are negatively affected by these vaccine mandates are African-American. And now when you dig into the fact that a lot of these city workers, a lot of these municipal employees that are affected right now by this vaccine mandate from de Blasio that is basically saying, if you do not get this jab, you will be placed on un unpaid leave and essentially fired. A lot of these city workers are African-American. Like if you, 
if you are, if, you know, if you are blessed with the gift of sight in New York City, you realize that when you're walking around, a lot of these city workers from bus drivers to subway um, conductors to sanitation workers, these are African American and Latino people. That is just the reality of the situation. New York is a very, very diverse city. It's a very black city. Um, and a lot of these workers that are affected by this are black. Now, what I'm going to play for you, this is a woman, and this is, I think that this clip should be going crazier than it is right now. Maybe this is the first time you've heard it. Um, this is a black female city worker, and this is so bad. I have tried to find out this clip. I've tried to find this woman's name. I cannot find her name. And if I find that, I will tweet it out. But I want you to listen to her speak so passionately um, and openly and honestly about these mandates. Today, we stand united on one cause. Firefighters, fire officers, EMS, fire dispatchers, others affinity groups of the FDNY, sanitation, DSNY, NYPD, my brothers and sisters, we one common cause to stand for freedom to choose. The ability to choose, give me a second, I'll be done. In the, the ability to choose is our God-given right, our free will, the right to choose for ourselves, our families, our loved ones. This is our bodies, not yours. We worked through the, this pandemic over a year. We worked, we worked. We worked tirelessly, long hours, without fear, boldly, took care of us as the citizens of the city of this New York. We answered countless, countless calls, countless EMS emergencies and other emergencies to keep the city safe. We are citizens of the United States of America, New Yorkers! This is very powerful. Listen to, listen to the passion in her voice. Listen to, and, um, you know, if you guys follow me on Facebook, uh, at Rob Smith online, I have video of this. Um, I, I think I have a video of this coming out today where I, where I kind of do a, re, a little reaction video to this, but listen to what she is saying and listen to the passion with which she speaks. This is some, this is righteous anger. It's passionate. She is saying that. I worked, I put my life on the line. And, and yes, you know, I've never minimized coronavirus, guys. I've never done that. Um, because these people were out there putting their lives on the line when people didn't have a whole lot of information um, about coronavirus. And, and when we did get more information about coronavirus, that the real information was so suppressed that God knows what people were thinking. You know, they, they had people running around here thinking that uh, a healthy 23-year-olds were at risk of, of, of dying from coronavirus. It was completely ridiculous. So yes, these people were out there risking their lives. We all love them. I remember being in New York City during the height of the pandemic. It was like every uh, every day at 7 p.m., everybody just screamed out the rooftops. They clapped and all of that stuff. And that was a moment where we appreciated all of the city workers. We appreciated the, the healthcare workers. We appreciated the city workers. We appreciated the grocery store people, all of the people um, that did not get, you know, laid off and did not take, you know, unemployment and all of this other stuff that happened during the pandemic, these people continued to work. And now since these people are no longer politically convenient to the scumbags 
that are running New York, now they are, they're expendable because they do not want to put the coronavirus vaccine into their bodies. And that really has to tell you something about how the left treats people and at what point does the left throw people away that are politically inconvenient for them? And that is a running theme of everything that I've been telling you problematics over the past what year and a half that I've been doing this podcast. The left doesn't care about these people. They are nothing but political props for them. They were political props in the beginning days of the pandemic, and now they are political props now. They are people to be made an example of and punished because they are not towing the line and they are not doing what the left wants them to do. To do. I mean, it's, it's sick. It's twisted. It's bizarre. It's gross. This is the world with, that we live in right now. And when I tell you that I do not believe, like I said, it's not about what I believe or not. I just, I know for a fact, when you see BLM marching with police officers, when you see black marching with white, marching with Latino, marching with Asian, marching with, you know, they, them, and gay, straight, and whatever. And when you see people coming together saying like, look, this is wrong. This is absolutely wrong. This is not something that you're going to see get a whole lot of coverage from in the mainstream media. And there's a reason why. There's a reason why you're not going to see a clip of this woman on CNN or MSNBC. Um, There's a reason that you're not going to see any of this stuff about the protests or any of this on our mainstream, uh, corporate mainstream media outlets. You know, I had to find this stuff on Twitter. I had to find this on Facebook. I had to find this on Instagram. Honestly, it's the same reason you didn't see any coverage of Bernie Sanders rallies in 2015 in Washington Square Park that drew tens of thousands of, of people. Now, Bernie is insane. Of course, he's a, he's a loon and a grifter. But the point is the same. And the point is this. These protests are being hidden from you because it disrupts the status quo. People do not want vaccine mandates. The vast majority of people, I believe, do not want this. And this is vaccinated or unvaccinated. They do not want this. They have made, like, people have made personal decisions whether or not they are going to take this coronavirus vaccine. But the vast majority of people, I think, do not think that this should be mandated on anybody. It is only the most brain-dead liberal MSNBC zombies and their political masters that are advocating for these vaccine mandates. And there's a reason, by the way, and we're talking a lot about New York City, there's a reason that you're really only seeing this in, in New York. And I think that this is coming up in L.A. And obviously, these are these cities have fallen. These cities have fallen to, to leftism and socialism, right? But there's a reason that you, you're not seeing this in, in Philly or, or Chicago or any of these other cities because the people in New York are standing up because they knew if they rolled over for this in New York, they knew it would have been in all these other cities. And so where does this leave us? It, it leaves us in what is, I think, one of the most fascinating movements happening in America right now. And it's not about critical race theory or, or men and women's restrooms or any of the other culture war crap that dominates so many of the other conversations that we have in these spaces, that we have on cable news, that we have on social media, that we have in, in podcasts. This is about something very simple. And that is freedom versus tyranny. The freedom to live your life and to put into your body what you choose, the freedom to let anyone else make that decision for themselves. 
this question of freedom versus tyranny, this question of freedom versus authoritarianism is not left or right. It is not black or white. It is not gay or straight. It is this fundamental question. Are we America? Are, are we headed into a place that used to be America, land of the free? That question will not be answered by people like Bill de Blasio or Lori Lightfoot or any of the other talentless hacks whose self-image depends on how much power they can lord over you. It will be answered by us, regular, decent, hardworking Americans, black, white, Latino, Asian, gay, straight, young, old, rich, poor, whatever. This is a question that can only be answered by us coming together despite differences and standing up for our own personal freedoms and our own personal liberties in what is supposed to be the land of the free. Are we America? Or are we headed into a place that used to be America? That is the question that will be answered by all of us. And my God, I hope that we get this one right. Next up, Tucker Carlson has a new documentary about January 6th coming out, and the usual suspects are upset about it. They are big mad. I will tell you why and what I think after the break. Last night I was watching Tucker Carlson, as I tend to do. He is one of maybe three people doing investigative journalism in America. I don't know what all of these other people that claim to be journalists are doing, but it certainly isn't journalism. So I was watching Tucker Carlson. And, you know, I see this preview for this uh, January 6th um, documentary about the Capitol riots. I believe it is called The Patriot Purge. I'm going to play you a clip from this documentary um, right now so you can get a sense of, you know, exactly what we're getting into uh, when it comes to a January 6th documentary from Tucker Carlson. The helicopters have left Afghanistan, and now they've landed here at home. And the left is hunting the right, sticking them in Guantanamo Bay for American citizens, leaving them there to rot. We are dealing with an insurgency in the United States. Terrorism from white supremacy is the most lethal threat to homeland. I've been told that I'm a white nationalist. Me. It's, it's powerful stuff, right? Interesting. Thought-provoking. Something that looks entertaining, something that looks like it answers some questions, something that looks like it sheds some light into exactly what happened in Washington, D.C. on January 6th. Something that sheds a little bit more light into exactly what happened than, I, I, mean, I don't know, political commentators and, you know, turncoat Republicans and, and Democrat congressmen, you know, running to MSNBC and CNN and, and giving, you know, their their politically tinged take on on whatever it was that happened in, in D.C. on January 6th. And by the way, that voice that you hear, and this is another video, I'm going to have video of this on my Facebook page at Rob Smith Online. Um, the voice that you hear is a guy named uh, Ali Alexander, black man, black man, was involved in the movement. So when he, that voice, you know, these people are t saying, I'm a white supremacist, me, this black guy. And this is, in a you know, side note, this is what they say. Yeah, I'm, I'm black. You guys know I'm black. Is, this is what they call me, a white supremacist. You know, it's, it's, it's bizarre. It's, it's, it's crazy stuff, right, what the left says. There are still 
a lot of unanswered questions about January 6th. A lot of people don't really know exactly what happened. We know that we are supposed to be outraged about it, but, you know, um, there was one person that got killed. Her name was Ashley Babbitt. She was a Trump supporter that was um, shot and killed by police. Obviously a tragedy. Obviously wish that it, it never would have happened. Um, there's still a lot of unanswered questions. We know that the media outright lied about that police officer, Brian Sicknick. They they reported the lie that he was bludgeoned to death with the fire extinguisher. That never happened. And the interesting thing about media lies is that they lie about something and then the lie becomes the truth. And then they get so many people to run to their networks and to repeat this propaganda that the actual truth gets memory hold. I'm pretty sure that there's still some people out today that still do think that Brian Sicknick was bludgeoned to death by a fire extinguisher in the Capitol riots, which of course didn't happen, right? And so this is where we are. So there's still a lot of unanswered questions about about what is more or less a, a very fascinating moment you know, in American history. Now, I did a whole podcast about January 6th, and, you know, a lot of people I lost, oh, I lost all the follow, oh, we're not going to follow you, you're one of them, blah, 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 because on January 6th, when it happened, I said, this is stupid. Um, I said, you guys never should have been there. I said, people never should have been in the Capitol, ever. And I said that the week it happened. I was not trying to kowtow to the left. I don't care. I'm going to speak. I don't care what the left thinks about me. I don't care what people think about me. I got to speak my mind. So I said it was stupid. And I was invited to by multiple entities to participate on in, in January 6th. Not to not certainly not to storm the, the Capitol or anything like that, um, but to just go to the protests. And I said, no, I was like, I will not, I do not want to be anywhere near Washington, DC on January 6th, because I had a really bad feeling about it. And this is not in problematics. This is not me telling, saying I told you so or anything like that. I had in my gut a very bad feeling about being there on that day. And I said, no, I'm not doing it. Anyway, the media's reaction to this, to this documentary from Tucker Carlson was, was fairly predictable, right? It's vile. It's horrible. It is InfoWars propaganda. It is all of this other stuff. It is so bad. It is, you know, it is repugnant. It is all this, you know, they, they just, you know, God, they get the vapors and, and they just have to fan themselves. They are just so apoplectic about this documentary. This is, I'm going to read you something. This is from this writer over at Mediaite. This guy named Colby Hall. I don't know what he does. I think he's just some writer. He's just some media person. You know, they, they all think they're very important. But this, this is an interesting take. Even though I don't agree with it, I thought it was a very interesting take. Um, and this is what he said. And this is, and he talks about being somebody from the quote unquote flyover states, which I am as well. I'm from Ohio. He says, many of my old friends are bitterly angry, and I know that many will watch the trailer above and actually consider taking up arms against the nameless and faceless enemies that Carlson describes as an urgent and real threat. That is not an exaggeration, and it's why I find this series so deeply concerning. Particularly when recent polls show more than half of Trump voters now favor secession. Carlson loves to play the part of a populist who speaks truth to the victims of a game society that benefits the privileged. The irony here is that Carlson was born into great wealth and splits his time between compounds in rural Maine, coastal Florida, and of course, Washington, D.C., where he often hosts his show. He is not from the same background as much of his target audience. 
So to be charitable, perhaps he doesn't realize that his angry conspiratorial message will be taken literally by my friends and former schoolmates in Kansas and other parts of rural America. The trailer for the series sends such a dangerous message to Tucker Carlson viewers that it makes his past conspiratorial hijinks feel like child's play. It represents an entirely new level of outrage, a deeply irresponsible one. It's called Patriot Purge, for Christ's sakes, in case the message was lost on anyone. Lord, I'm sure he, I don't don't know. I'm sure he broke into a sweat, furiously typing that screed. And my issue with this particular take on it is a lot. First of all, it holds... Tucker Carlson is somebody that was born in a great wealth and privilege. He was the, he's been a DC animal his entire life, and that it just is what it is. That doesn't take away his curiosity as a journalist. Um, it doesn't take away um, the questions that he wants to ask. That doesn't take away how good he is at what he does. And I, I think that what this does and what this writer is trying to do is he's trying to make it seem like Tucker Carlson looks down on that audience. This is what they make it seem like. People that come from this amount of privilege that end up being conservatives, conservative commentators, reporters, etc. They are looking down on the rubes, quote unquote, and the rednecks of the flyover states. And I think that it is completely the opposite. It is people, you know, like our, our friend Colby Hall at Media. It is our people like all of these blue check um, liberal elite quote-unquote journalists that are so outraged by the fact that Tucker Carlson is asking questions that they don't want to be asked about January 6th. These are the people that look down on that target audience. What Tucker Carlson realizes, what I realize, what a lot of the what people that are vastly more successful you know, political commentators than me realize is that the people that live in the quote-unquote flyover states are not stupid. These people are not dumb. These people act as if, and guys, when you live in these big cities for long enough, when you you spend too much time running in between D.C. and New York and and, and, uh, L.A. and stuff like that, you will run into people that think they act as if there is no internet in in freaking Iowa. They act as if there is nobody that is, you know, a a blue-collar person making six figures in Iowa. They act as if these people do not think. And if there are no thinkers in any of these places, who the hell do you think is populating all of these freaking liberal elite institutions that are all over the country? Who do you think is is thinking about anything in these places? Not only, you know, the professors at the liberal elite institutions, um, but the people who actually make money, the people who are actually building their own lives in a blue-collar way or whatever. Um, the people that are actually having conversations and actually think about these things. So it's not Tucker Carlson. It's not me. It's not Laura Ingram. It's not Sean Hannity. It's not, you know, Glenn Beck. It's not Candace Owens. It's not, it's, it's not us that think that flyover people are stupid. No, it's the people on the left. They think that these people are idiots. And they think that these people are going to be so triggered by... A documentary like this, by the way, by the way, nobody has seen. We have seen a, you know, a minute and a, the trail is a minute and a half. And they think that these people are going to be so triggered by this that they're going to do something as crazy as, um, I don't know, maybe a minute, maybe try to, um, assassinate a congressman. No, wait a minute. That was the left when they attacked that Republican congressman, shot him. Scalise, I believe his name was. 
or you think that, you know, this stuff is going to trigger, you know, the right in, in a way that they're going to go and commit an act of violence at a school. Oh, no, wait a minute. That was that leftist that did that school shooting that got memory hold a couple of months back, right? And so I'm not playing left and right games about this stuff. I'm saying that there's extremists on both sides everywhere. And to try to censor or to try to talk down or to try to hide the truth or, or any exploration of the truth by people that pretend to be journalists and people that pretend to be interested in the big questions that affect our society, it, it's a little bit hypo- hypocritical. So my question is, why are these people who are the alleged arbiters of truth, these people that tell us that, that, that democracy dies in darkness, why are they so afraid of a documentary about January 6th? Why are they so afraid of these questions? There was HBO Max just did some leftist documentary about, about January 6th. Nobody cared. It came and went. Who, who cares? Because they know exactly what angle that documentary is going to push. I didn't hear anybody on the right saying, oh my God, this documentary is horrible. HBO Max shouldn't be doing this. I looked, when they announced it, I looked at it and rolled my eyes because I knew exactly what it was going to be. And the thing about it is, is that everybody that is telling you to be outraged about this Tucker Carlson documentary knew what that left-leaning documentary was going to be too. And they approved of whatever information that was going to be led in that. But they do not approve of whatever new information that's going to come from a documentary that has Tucker Carlson's perspective. Why are they afraid of all of these questions? Why the extreme rush to challenge it, to delegitimize it, to silence it, to call for, for Fox News to, to censor Tucker Carlson? This is all very weird, very sort of 1984 type stuff, particularly coming from people that are alleged journalists, people that are supposed to be interested in, in facts, in the truth, and are supposed to be interested in the answers to the questions that people in power don't want asked. It's weird. So look, for me personally, I'm going to watch the documentary. I'll find it. I'll figure it out. I think think they're giving away Fox uh, Nation memberships for free if you're a veteran or whatever. I'll check it out. Because I want to hear both sides of the story. I'll probably check out the other documentaries about what happened um, on January 6th because I want to know. I still have a lot of questions about it. There's a difference between what we know and what we think we know. And that's what journalism is supposed to be all about. That's what asking questions is supposed to be all about. But it seems like the left, in this massive rush to placate you know, their new corporate masters uh, in the Democratic Party and in the mainstream media, it seems like these so-called journalists of the left have forgotten about that. And maybe it's time for Tucker Carlson to remind them. thank my fellow problematics so much for listening if you're enjoying the show please 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 leave us a review and rate us with five stars on apple podcasts and to hear more of my episodes and get my weekly newsletter go to gingrich360.com slash rob you can also find me on twitter facebook and instagram at rob smith online Special thanks to our producer, John Cassio, researcher, Aaron Kliegman, and executive producers, Debbie Myers and speaker, Newt Gingrich, part of the Gingrich 360 Network.